Good morning, good morning, good morning. What up? It's your girl, Lady Sage, and you already know. You already know. Happy new month. It's my birthday month, and I'm hearing cheers. So, a big cheer for all the people who were born in this month of March. Give it up. Thank you. So, uh, like I told you guys, we're going to be exploring Exodus. And I was going to call it the Revelation of Exodus. Because, you know, I call Genesis the Revelations of Genesis. Right? But I really want to change the title of this one. And it's going to be called The Great Exodus. Because not only, you know, this is something you can actually trace. Not saying that we can't trace most of the Bible. But um, this is something that a mass of people... A lot of people uh, experience were brought out of and it changed the trajectory of a region. Okay. So I figured it would be great to call it the great exodus. Um, so. Before we dive into this, what does Exodus mean? Okay. Uh, the Greek used it to dis- distinguish the deliverance of the Israelites from the Egyptians. Bondage and their safe passage through the shear of reeds. Exodus, a massive departure of people, especially like a migration. Passover festival celebrates the exodus, the road out. The Greek word was formed by a combination of perplex X meaning out of and hodos road. All right, guys, so. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. I'm also going to read a little bit of history here. Uh, So possibly 1360 to 1280 BC, King Tutankhamun died when he was between 18 and 25 years old. Sometimes during or maybe just before Moses' lifetime. The Egyptian government was in turmoil and indeed in debt. But things were stable by the time of Ramsey II. See, Ramsey II was likely the pharaoh of the Egyptian or the um, Exodus time. Uh, uh, Ramsey persuaded a massive program of building temples, displaying statues of himself, and the fabulous new capitals. Named after himself. He lived about 96 years old and had more than 200 wives and 156 children. So that was Ramsey II. And that's when they believe the time frame where Moses uh, and Ramsey lined up. Uh, okay, so here we go. Chapter 1, and I'm reading for the Message Bible. So there are... These are the names of the Israelites who went to Egypt with Jacob. 
each bringing his family members. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Ishakar, Zebion, Benjamin, Dan, Nathalon, Gad, Asher. 70 people in all generated by Jacob's seed. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died and all of his brothers and the whole generation. But the children of Israelites kept on reproducing. And they were very prolific. And populations exploded in their own right. And the land, well, the land was filled with them. A new king. A new king came to power in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. He spoke to his people in alarm. There are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. We've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them. Lest if there's a war and they should join the other enemies or just walk out and leave us. So remember when we were reading in Genesis and how Joseph's brothers attacked this other land, which was almost similar to Egypt. Joseph's brothers, Dinah, was supposed to be married. Well, she wasn't, wasn't supposed to be. She actually married uh, the, he was like a pr- prince. She actually married him. I remember he raped her and then uh, they had to be circumcised in order to get married. So all the men in this this uh, this uh, palace had to be circumcised in order for, you know, Dinah to be able to be married to them. But then after the marriage and the circumcision happened, Dinah's brothers got upset and went through and killed all the men in that in that region. And so. You almost wonder um, if that affected how this Pharaoh uh, thought because he says, lest they join our enemies or lest they just walk out. Like he had some revelations of of a massive people, uh, family, you know, killing, killing people. You know, it was it was like as if he knew, like as if he might have been a remnant, like maybe his mother uh, survived the massacre, or his great 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 grandmother survived, and they just talked about, you know, maintaining and being mindful of a great uh, mass of people that may one day, you know, overtake or had over had or overtaken and killed all the men. So he had this great. It said he, he, he was like, he had this great fear or great rage over these people. And he had no clue who Joseph was um, because Joseph had already died. And uh, Joseph's goodness and good ways and his prophetic values were no longer relevant to this new Pharaoh. So it says that there, there are way too many of these Israelites for us to handle. We've got to do something. Let's devise a plan to contain them. At least if there is a war, they should join our enemies or just walk out and leave us. So they organized them into work gangs and put them into hard labor unto the gang foreman. They built the storage city 
Pitmon and Ramsey of Pharaoh, for Pharaoh. But the harder the Egyptians worked, the more children the, Egypt, the Israelites, um, sorry, the harder the Egyptians worked them, the more children the Israelites had. Children everywhere. The Egyptians got so <clears throat> the Egyptians got so that they couldn't stand the Israelites and treated them worse, worser than they had had ever been, and crushed them with slave labor. So now here, they are treating them bad. First day, you see how they 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 said, let's 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 get them into slave gangs, divide and conquer, and they organize this plan. And see, organization is powerful. You can get done anything if you're organized. So they made them miserable, and the more miserable they became, the more children they the population just began to grow. They made them more miserable with hard labor, making bricks and mortars and backbreaking work in the field. They piled on the work, crushing them under the cruel, the cruel workload. The king of Israel, the king of Egypt, had a talk with the two Hebrew midwives. One was named Shipra, and the other Pasha. He said. When you deliver the Hebrew women, look at the sex. And if the baby, or if it's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. And again, you wonder if he knew that these were the people who had massacred all the men. Because why would he decide to kill only the men child? Was it like revenge from the past, you know? So... uh, <clears throat> but the midwives they had too they had far too much respect for God and didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. They let the baby boys live. The king of Egypt called the midwives. Why don't you obey my orders? You let these babies live. The midwives answered Pharaoh. The Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous. Before the midwives can get there, they have already had the baby. God was pleased with these midwives. The people continued to increase in numbers, a strong people. And because of the midwives' honor, God, well, God gave them families of their own. And so Pharaoh issued a general order to all his people. Every boy that is born drown him in the Nile but let but let the girls live and that is the end of chapter 1 let's talk about this guys because this pharaoh is totally different from the other pharaoh that lived there uh, that was there before the prior pharaoh was even though he didn't like farmers or, or sheepmen herds he allowed them to stay and again why are they having such a bias between, you know, this type of profession? And I honestly believe it's because in Genesis, where Joseph's brothers went and killed all those men, you know, uh, that Dinah's um, future, it was it would have been Dinah's future husband. Uh, 
So uh, this is like Genesis chapter 24 or 34 is when Dinah um, began when she got raped. And this whole chapter and these guys get circumcised. It's about 30 chapter 34, 34. It says everyone who was anyone in the city agreed with Haran, the son of Shechem. Every male was circumcised three days after the circumcision. While all the men were still very sore, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each with their his sword in hand, walked into the city as if they owned the place and murdered every man there. They also killed Haran and his son Shechem, rescued Dinah from Shechem's house, and left. When the rest of the Jacob's sons came to the scene of the slaughter, they looted the city, the entire city, and relation and for in the fields they rooted the city in the fields as retaliations for Dinah's rape. Flocks, herds, donkeys, belonging, everything were in the city or the homes. They took the fields, um, and they took all the wives and children captive and ransacked their homes for anything valuable. Jacob said to Shechem, Simeon, and Levi, you made my name sink to high heavens among the people here. You see that? These Canaanites and these Prezizites, if they decide to gang up on us and attack a few as we are, we, would st- we wouldn't stand a chance. They'd wipe me and my people right off the map. They said, nobody is going to treat our sister like a whore and get away with it. So that was way back in Genesis 34, chapter 34, verse 34, and to about uh, the end of that chapter. But I honestly think that what they did back then affected what is happening to them now as the Egyptians are um, kind of trying to stop them from overtaking overtaking the land like they did back then, overtaking their possessions and their wives and everything. So you got to kind of keep that in mind because why does an Egyptian think the way that he does, you know? You know, got to remember they were they were the ones who wrote down things. They were the ones who read stuff. They were a lot of uh, the studying they did. So if they knew anything that happened in the lands connected to them, I'm pretty sure that they was readings of you know what happened to Shechem and his his son. I'm pretty sure that there was people who who said. You know, it was Jacob and, and Israel, the Israelites that did it. So Jacob said, you're making my name bad to the high heavens and the people around here. So if you fast forward and you're seeing how this king is treating them or he's fearful of an overtake, go back to Genesis 36. That's where it happens. And um, this is a repercussion of... I believe this is the repercussion of what happened past um, to affect our future. So one thing that chapter one reminds us in Exodus is it reminds us to pray over our protection of our generations to come. For Jacob's descendants uh, became oppressed 
Because the Pharaoh and the king, they forgot the goodness of what Joseph did. Sometimes we can marvelize the goodness of what our past ancestors did. Like my great-grandfather, I can marvelize over the things that he's done. But you have to remember, not everybody remembers the goodness of what was done in the past. So that doesn't give any honor to your family. So we have to be willing to pray to God for the protection of us and our generations to come. And the midwives, they play a valuable lesson as well because Pharaoh was king. Pharaoh was the one who we respect, who knows all and does all, right? So these midwives disobeyed Pharaoh due to having respect, due to having respect and reverence to God. So they had a relationship with God. They, they, they feared God. They said that they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And so out of their connection, their reverence, their respect of God, their fear of God, God gave them both children and family of their own, which is something that you know that they probably wanted and they desired, and he answered it right away. Since they didn't kill the man-child, again, why would he why would he say kill all the men? It is, uh, it is a simulation and a replica of, you know, what happened back then in Genesis. Same thing that happens with Jesus' time frame. While his father and mother had to kind of run and hide, you know. Uh, so it, it's, it's, yeah. So, what obedience is God asking us to do in our land today that may be different from our leadership, that may be different from our parents, that may be different from... Anything that any, anyone has ever done in our, our generation, God may be asking for us to do something different. And are we willing to obey the difference? Because it's different. You know, the midwives could have obeyed Pharaoh and, you know, they probably would have lived a decent life, but they probably would not have had children because their obedience caused them to have fruit. So what obedience do you think God is calling for you right now that looks, sounds different, that may defy uh, a leadership and not in a rebellious way, but in a God-fearing way where you're like, I'm willing to listen to God's voice versus the leadership's voice. But do you got respect, reverence, and a connection with God? Are we really truly having respect, a reverence, a connection, and a fear for God? These are things that have to be mindful Is God revealing truth to us out of our obedience, out of our patience? So, today, thank you guys for joining me. The Great Exodus, Chapter 1. Take some time and, and read it for yourself and see what other things may be popping out to you and may stir up the inside of you. As we continue on to this exodus, you guys be blessed. Make sure you have uh, a great day today. I I do believe that we can allow greatness to happen in our day. We can accept the negativity um, throughout our day. So even if negative things come towards you, you might get a little bit upset and that's okay. But our reaction is everything. Our reaction is everything. So... Take everything, as my dad says, with a grain of salt, okay? And 
Be blessed. I'm going to talk to y'all later. Peace.